So, I am intimately familiar with the feeling of not fitting in, which makes really good sense if you understand that I was homeschooled. And if you have a picture in your head of homeschooled children in the 80s and 90s, and it involves a lot of bad home perms and, you know, like (laughs) denim vests and some really aggressive religious t-shirts, that's a pretty good picture of what we were like. Um, So, uh, yes, awkward. Um, And so... My problem was not only did I have the sort of social awkwardness that came along with being homeschooled as far as trying to fit in with the rest of the world where you have no idea what anybody else your age is talking about because you're not allowed to watch those programs or listen to those bands or like, you know, be alone with boys or, you know, any of that stuff. You just have no frame of reference. I also had a very hard time sort of fitting into my subculture because I had a little bit of attitude. Um, and I tended to kind of get myself in trouble. Um, I, I tended to speak out a little bit too much, and I was always sort of in that, um, that paradigm where I, I really wanted to be the good girl, and I wanted to do the right thing, and I never quite managed it. Um, and I felt alone a lot. I had, um, I had you know, friends from church and things like that. I didn't feel like they knew me very well. Um, and I was the kind of kid who I would, you know, I would find like that one person and I would really glom onto them. And um, so I had, you know, that one person, you know, when I was like 12 and she was everything to me. She was like my entire world. And we spent all of our time together. She's sitting right there, by the way. And, um, and, um, and I loved her. Um, and, uh, but she, she did a really horrible thing to me, um, which was, was that she, uh, she went away to private school. Um, and so by the time it came up to my freshman year of high school, you know, we were living in the country, and um, I was really, really alone. And so I tried to talk my mom into uh, letting me go to public school, which in retrospect was um, probably would not have worked out very well for me because, as I mentioned, I was really awkward. I mean, like home, home perm and... Um, you know, I probably would have not actually figured out how to manage there, but it ended up being a moot point um, because my mom did not feel that loneliness was really a good enough um, reason to put myself into the den of iniquity that is the public school system. And so she, she vetoed that idea. And so I spent um, my freshman year of high school um, super lonely, and I, you know, my, my best friend was my dog. And um, the 32 cats who lived in our barn. Please stay and neuter. I just, it was, I don't know who's going to do that There were 32, anyway. Um, and so, but something really great happened in advance of my sophomore year, which was that I found out that um, one of the homeschool groups, like, you know, across, we were in Carleton, and there was, like, you know, these different homeschool groups, and one of the things that would do is they would have like field trips. We would go to creation science seminars where you learn about the young birth. Um, and we would, you know, do these different things together. And sometimes there would be like classes where you would meet like monthly and um, get together with a group. So I found out that out in, way out in Woodburn, they were having a high school literature circle and they were going to be studying Shakespeare. And I was like, oh my God, I must do this. 
because um, I was a bit of a literature nerd. That was, I think, some place that I found some solace um, for myself. So I was really excited about this, and I really wanted to do it. And, um, and my mom let me do it. And so my sophomore year, I went, and it was amazing because when I got there, there were like people there who liked me, like a um, couple of girls that like, I don't know, we just got along really well, and we seemed to understand each other. And I felt like, I found my people. Like, these are my people. And, um, and it was really, we were really ridiculously unrelatable to the rest of the world. Like, um, we developed, um, you know, this inside language. And I'd always wanted to kind of have that, that posse of friends. You know, I'd see other people with like their groups of girls that are like all giggling together. And I'd be like, man, I wish I had that. And suddenly I did have that. Like the things we were giggling about were really ludicrous and nobody else would have understood them. That was fine because we did. Um, and so we had, you know, like our Shakespearean insults. Um, you know, that book was really key for us. Um, you, you are a small, gray-coated gnat. Eat my leek, you crusty botch of nature. These kinds of things were coming out of our mouth a lot. And uh, the second year, we actually studied Greek and Roman mythology, because we finished Shakespeare. So then we started getting Greek epithets. And I don't know if you're familiar, you know, like, um, uh, golden chorus of the blah blah blah. So my Greek epithet was flaming Angela of the long running mouth, which <laughs> I didn't appreciate, but you know. Um, so my, I had my two best girlfriends that were part of this group. We were the Three Musketeers. I was Porthos, um, very important. And um, it, it started to happen um, towards the end of the second year that there started to be some tensions. And it was the old tension for me where I wasn't quite doing the things I was supposed to do to make the adults happy and to fit in. And so um, it turned out that our teacher, who was another, just one of the homeschool moms, um, she was starting to get really frustrated with me and like my two best girlfriends and a couple of boys that we hung out with, only supervised though, we were never alone together and there was always like space you know, between us whenever we sat here, just to be clear. But um, she felt like we were being clicky. Um, and apparently, unbeknownst to us, we were actually the cool kids um, in this group, which we had no idea about because being the cool kids in a homeschool group is... <laughs> we, we, you know, we thought the other kids seemed more normal and they probably had other friends, you know, so... We didn't realize, but I had never been part of a clique before, so that was kind of exciting. Um, but it got to the point where um, we took a trip to Ashland both of the summers that um, I was part of this group. And during the second trip, things sort of came to a head. And um, I did that thing that I do where um, I decided to stand up for my friends instead of doing the thing I, I was supposed to be doing, which is being obedient and good and listening to the adults. Um, and I got... Uh, made an example of in front of the other kids and um, dressed down in a really abusive way um, and the aftermath of that event was sort of heinous and ridiculous given the context um, you know this sort of lit apocalypse happened where people weren't allowed to speak to me anymore and you know kids were calling other kids and telling them you better never speak to Angela and she's being you know kicked out and all of this stuff and um, so sort of when the dust settled, the dust settled on this, um, I felt so much more alone than I had before because 
Um, I had felt like I finally found a place to belong, and after that I really felt like there was no place that I was ever going to belong. And so that happened the summer I turned 17, which was precisely half my lifetime ago this summer. And um, it was one of those things that stuck with me for a really, really long time. And um, I spent several years um, trying to make myself fit, trying to compromise enough to be part of the community that I was part of, to be good, to be demure enough, to not speak out, to wear the appropriate clothing, you know, make sure my knees weren't showing and that I didn't try to be too friendly with boys and, you know, like really be very, very careful. And, um, and I, eventually, I, I eventually just gave up and I walked away from um, Christianity, from the church. And at the point that I did that, I thought that it would be temporary. I really believed that like if I stopped going, that like God would call to me and um, I would, you know, like I wouldn't be able to just leave it behind. But interestingly, that didn't actually ever happen. Um, I started getting some distance and realizing that those people were batshit fucking crazy. <laughs> that I could feel like I belonged. Um, and during this period, I met a man who made me feel safe, and I married him, which was, in retrospect, not a very good idea, um, as I really had absolutely no idea who I was still. Um, and, but, but my marriage gave me kind of some place to belong and a role to fill. Um, it made me a little more acceptable within my family, like I was a grown-up who wasn't living in sin or something like that. And so all of that was good and gave me some structure, um, although there were a lot of other factors involved. But somewhere along the way, in my late 20s, I started getting enough distance from those people um, and from that fear of seeing any of them or talking to any of them because I couldn't bear to be told I was going to hell again. Um, and really realizing, figuring out what I actually believed about things, re-examining my life, and, and rebuilding a foundation for myself. And a really, really interesting thing happened when I did that. And that was that I started drawing people to me. Um, I started, I could never find that place where I needed to go to fit in, but somehow I became that place, and I started bringing people to myself. And some of them are, you know, from my school programs, people who really share my passion, these really amazing people who are doing fantastic things in the world. And, well, all of my friends are amazing and doing fantastic things in the world. But, um, you know, some of them are, like, the old people, you know, the ones that I had lost, the ones that we didn't speak to each other for a decade because we were so afraid of being judged by somebody we loved once. Um, and finding one another again and realizing that we were both refugees. Um, that we were able to support each other and that we could understand something that is, quite frankly, difficult 
for other people to understand, uh, sort of the frame of reference for our childhood. And along the way, I eventually realized that I didn't need the safety net of my marriage and that I was actually damaging both myself and my husband by maintaining it. Um, it was something that we stayed in because we were both so afraid of being alone. And six weeks ago, um, just before our eight-year anniversary, I left my marriage. And in one of those moments of extreme passive aggressiveness that can happen when you're going through something emotional like this, my husband didn't want us to split up, and um, he, he said to me, with the utmost sincerity, I just really hope, Ange, that you're not alone for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I really, really hope, I really wish for you that you're loved. And you know, not so long ago, that would have been enough to scare me back into the relationship, to scare me into going back to him. But in that moment, I looked at him and all I could think was, I am loved and I'm not alone and I don't need you for that. 